You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Judges chapter 7, if, you'll, if you know the story, this is, the, this is about Gideon. Gideon is one of the judges in the book of Judges. He's an Israelite. Um, and God has called him to go to battle against the Midianites. And you say, well, that's kind of life in the Old Testament. You know, that's, it's full of battles. And what's different about this? Well, the problem is with this is that Gideon is not a soldier, first of all. And second of all, by the time we get to Judges chapter 7, that he, he, God has whittled his army down to, you remember the number? 300. Okay, now 300 is more like a squadron. It's not really an army. And the Midianites, just over the hill from the Israelites, the Midianites uh, number 135,000. So you've got an army. I mean, maybe in this room, we don't probably quite have 300, but in the building right now, I'm sure we have at least 300 in this building this morning. If we were all together together, and we were to go downtown Sioux Falls and say, okay, we want um, 135,000 of the 200,000 that live in Sioux Falls to come meet us downtown, and we're going to have a rumble in the streets. <laughs> now, there's a couple of you guys I want to stand close to. Carl, you're with me, okay? <laughs> Th- that, those aren't good odds. Now, we would probably not last very long. Well, those are the odds that Gideon is facing. And he's not a soldier, and he's trying to figure out if this is the right thing to do or not. And twice, he has asked God for a sign, and once God, uh, the angel sent fire down uh, to consume some meat, and that was a sign, and he felt good. But then he had doubts again, and so he he puts a fleece out. And if you remember the story of the fleece, if if I wake up and it's dry and the ground around it is wet, and then vice versa, then God gives him a sign again. And, And even though Gideon has God's confirmation, that he's supposed to go to battle, he's still afraid. And by the way, God hasn't, by the time we get to the the beginning of Genesis 7, God hasn't even whittled it down to 300 yet. So I want to stand, though, and read, beginning of verse 9, if you'll stand with me. This is after God has taken the number down to 300, and he still wants Gideon to go. He's still promising that he's going to bring victory. Um, But look at verse 9. We'll begin reading there. And we'll read down uh, a few verses here. This is Gideon again, trying to find some confirmation. It says, And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. There's more confirmation. But if thou fear to go down, I love that. If thou fear, you mean, I mean, there's, that's, not a, that's a big if right there, I guess. If thou fear to go down... Go thou with Fura, thy servant, down to the host, and thou shalt hear what they say. And afterwards shall thine hands be strengthened to go down into the host. Then went he down with Fura, his servant, under the outside of the armed men that were in the host. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitude. Imagine this sight. And their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside for multitude. 
And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow. So he's just outside the tent and he's listening to these two uh, Midianites talk inside the tent. There was a man that told a dream unto his fellow and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley tumbled into the host of Midian and came unto a tent and smote it that it fell. I mean, bread came and knocked over a tent and overturned it that the tent lay along. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, for into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. Very matter-of-factly, the enemy knows what's about to happen. And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshipped and returned into the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. And he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, Look on me and do likewise. I love that phrase. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, if thou sh if shall, it, sorry, it shall be that, as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow with the trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of, the, of all the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow withal. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. And all the host ran and cried and fled. And the three hundred blew the trumpets. And the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow. They started killing each other. Even throughout all the host. And the host fled to Beth Bethsheda and Zerarath and to the border of Abel Meholah unto Tabath. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali and out of Asher and out of all Manasseh and pursued after the Midianites. Wow, what a story. I mean, there, we could go on and on. We could have started before. We could keep going. And there's so much excitement. But I just want to get an idea, maybe apply this then to ourselves. Let's be honest. Maintaining faith when things are difficult is not easy. And, and here's a man who's facing terrible odds. But, but before we think that we're the only ones that doubt, I just want you to remember this morning that Gideon was a doubter. Gideon had a lack of faith and God still used him to do something great and wife I believe we've got something good to learn from Gideon about faith this morning the title is this how to have faith that stands and the subtitle if I had a subtitle this morning it's a very spiritual one it's this don't be a hollow bunny <laughs> Easter's on my mind apparently but don't be a hollow bunny how to have faith that stands. Hopefully I'll remember that illustration just so you, you know, it comes back a little bit. But, but I want faith that stands. I don't know about you. I want in the end, I want to still remain standing. And I think Gideon has a, a lesson to teach us here. Let's pray and ask God to help our time here. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you bless the reading of it and bless us, Lord, with your presence. Uh, we, we give your, you holy, your Holy Spirit permission to really work in our hearts and to do what you will in Jesus name. 
Amen. You may be seated. When I think of Gideon, I think of bowling bumpers. And, and I know that's a weird, I, my mind is in a lot of weird places today apparently, but our, our family doesn't bowl very much but because I'm not very good at bowling and I refuse to engage in activities in which my children can beat me. Um, and so, but when our kids were little, we would take them bowling and they would use the bumpers to keep the ball in play. And if the ball was thrown hard enough to get to the pins, you know what I mean? They would roll it and we would wait. I mean, we'd go get a hot dog, come back, it's still rolling. If it, was, if it was rolled hard enough to get to the pins, it would bounce four, five, six times back and forth until it gets to the pins and maybe knocks one or two over and you would think the little four or five-year-old just got a strike. I mean, to knock over a, a pin is a big deal. And, but I think about those bumpers. I think about the ball bouncing back and forth between the bumpers. And that's what I think of when I think of Gideon. In many ways, Gideon was, it was a bowling ball bouncing between the bumpers of fear over here and faith over here. I mean, one moment he's full of fear while he's threshing wheat in the, uh, hiding from the enemies. Then the angel comes and gives him a sign. And now he's excited. He's, he's going to go break down an altar and have faith. Um, so he's here and then he's here. At the end of chapter 6, the spirit of the Lord comes on him and he blows a trumpet and he calls uh, mess- people to come to him and say, let's form an army. So he's over here right now. But then very soon they show up in that valley and he realizes that he only has 32,000 compared to 135,000, which are four to one odds, which, which aren't great. So he's back over here in the fear bumper and he's just back and forth and back and forth. And so he gathers these, these, this army together and he's ready to fight in verse 1 of our, of our chapter. And he's got faith and, and everything's going well. And the, but, and the odds are, only, are 4 to 1, but we'll take that, right? Well, then God says, okay, I want you to ask who's afraid. And about, I don't know, a, a lot of them, 10,000? Um, no, no, no 22,000? Um, God whittles it down to 10,000 because 22,000 say, I'm afraid, and so they go home. And, and he says, oh, great, now our odds are even worse. So now he's back over here on the, on the, the bumper of fear. And then, and then the Lord says, I want to give them another test. So he, he sends them to the brook to drink, and, and 300 of them get down and drink on one knee like this. And you've heard this story. And, the, and 9,700 of them get down on their stomachs and they drink out of the, out of the brook. And, and you know in, in Gideon's mind, between these verses 6 and 7, he's praying to God, saying, hey God, please, let the ones laying on their stomach be the ones that stay. 9,700 as opposed to 300. And God says, nope. The 300 that are, that are drinking on one knee, those are the ones that stay. And so Gideon, again, between fear and faith, over and over, the bumpers are having their way with Gideon. Now, we know the end of the story. We know that Gideon goes from a man in hiding to leading an army of 300 against a multitude. And by the end of the story, Gideon has faith that stands. But he doesn't just get there by accident. There's a process that takes place. And here's the truth. We're all going to face difficulties in our lives. We will all have tests of faith. And I think I speak for most of us when I say that I want to come through those tests of faith still standing. I want to endure, not just to endure, but thrive. 
I want to come through the challenges of life stronger than I was before it. I don't want every time I go through a difficulty for it to whittle me away to almost nothing. No, I want to remain standing. So what I want to look at today from Gideon is having faith that stands. See, faith that stands, number one, is rooted in belief. Uh, I've stood at the base of a 300-foot-tall redwood tree before. I don't know if you've ever been to the redwoods in California, but, I mean, it's just hard to believe how massive these trees are. I mean, literally about as big around at the base as, as that, whatever we call this up here, the architectural feature right here. What, Eastsiders, what's the name? Have you all ever named it? Let's, let's have a contest, and you can just name it and tell me what we'll call it. I mean, they're as big as round as that thing up there. I mean, they're un it's unbelievable. There's, these trees are massive. And I've stood there at the base of it and thought, that thing has to have some pretty strong roots. I mean, think about it. Um, they say that those trees, a redwood tree that's 300 plus feet tall, um, can be in the thousands of years old. One or two thousand years old at the least. And, and I stood there this last time. And there's a tree, uh, the Colonel Armstrong is what they call it, in the Armstrong Forest there in Northern California. And I stood there and I was thinking, I wonder how many storms this tree has gone through. I wonder how many windstorms have swept through this forest and, and, and hit that tree and knocked against it. I wonder how many lightning strikes have been all around it. I wonder how many wildfires have come through this forest. And let's just say it's a, a thousand years old. You know that countless times this tree has been beat against. The winds have blown and the rain has fallen and the storms have come and it's still standing. And listen, if you're going to have standing faith, then you've got to be established on something strong. Because we live in a culture that is constantly beating against us. It's constantly making us doubt what we believe and doubt our faith. It's constantly coming at us. And if you follow God, you're going to be tested. Gideon faced an army that made him doubt. I mean, the Lord had come to him and, say, and said, Thou shalt save Israel. Thou shalt smite the Midian the Midianites as one man. Those are big promises. But Gideon lived in a corrupt culture with an active um, enemy. And that sounds familiar, doesn't it? So even though he had God's word, he also had real obstacles. Now, by the way, I also believe this is the way God wanted it. Think about it. If Gideon had gathered together a, an army of 200,000, let's say that he had gathered an army the size of Sioux Falls, and you go out with 200,000 against 135,000, you like those odds, don't you? And, but, but if they were to win a victory with 200,000, guess who people would say uh, was the reason for the victory? Gideon. Man, good leadership, good tactics, good strategy. Well, see, by, but by whittling it down to 300, God was doing something. See, he wants a small army so that everyone will know they have a big God. See, we say amen to that, but it doesn't make the situation in his life any less intimidating. I mean, the circumstances are not great. His army is small, and the resources are limited. I mean, as Gideon watches nearly 10,000 of his men walk away and, and have to go home, he says to the 300 that are left, okay, grab their provisions, okay, so that you've got provisions. And then he also says, oh, yeah, um, grab a trumpet, you know, that deadly weapon of choice, the trumpet. I was hoping, 
uh, Colin would be up here playing in the orchestra this morning. He wasn't, but, but, but I, I mean, something about a trumpet. I love to hear a trumpet. I love the way it cuts through, uh, you know, its tone just kind of cuts through the congregation. You can hear it from all around the room, um, but it's not really known for being a deadly weapon. But God says, I want you to get trumpets. I want you to, I want you to get clay pots. And I want you to get a, a lantern. And that's what you're going to roll with. So Gideon, if he was feeling any faith at all, um, he's back over here on the fear bumper right away. He's, like, he's not like a redwood. He's like a sapling blowing in the wind. And, but before we're too hard on Gideon, don't forget... We're in a tough culture that blows against us. We have a strong enemy that's constantly coming after us. The circumstances are not great for us. And in compared to the world, our resources are not very impressive. There's this anti-God sentiment out there. And what's alarming about it is it's not just coming from those around us. Now it's coming from those in power. And they're trying to do something about it. I, and I believe that there's a satanic influence um, in those that are standing against Christianity and trying to, trying to cancel Christianity, if you will. If you stand more for morality in this culture, you are in the minority. And like Gideon, we have to choose what we're going to focus on. See, if, we're, if I'm going to talk about numbers, I don't like our odds. I mean, for Gideon, it was 400 to 1. If his focus is strength, forget it. You've got 300 trumpet players with clay pots. He has to choose what he's going to focus on. See, what God, he's going to choose what God has said, or is he going to choose to focus on what his eyes can see? And the Lord does something amazing to confirm his message. And, 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 and he tells him, he says, listen, if you're afraid, if you're still afraid, go down to the camp and you're going to hear what you need to hear. We already read this. So Gideon and Fura, they, they end up outside the tent of an enemy. And this enemy, this Midianite, is talking to his buddy inside the tent. And, and look down and look in verse 12 of our text. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitude. And their camels were without number as the sand by the sea for multitude. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream. And lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came into a tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it that the tent lay along. He says, we're, I had this dream and we're all kind of just laying in bed and our tents are kind of spread out like they are. And a loaf of bread now, I don't know, I mean, God is using all kinds of deadly weapons in this story. I mean, I could throw a loaf of bread at you, and it wouldn't hurt very much because it's soft. But in this story, with, when God's at work, this loaf of bread comes tumbling down the hill and into the camp, and it takes the tents out. And, and this guy's like, man, it was a weird dream. I don't really know what it means. And his buddy, I don't know where his buddy got the information. Maybe he saw it on Twitter or something like that. But his buddy says, oh, yeah, that's Gideon. Um, the Lord is going to use Gideon to take us out. I mean, just very matter of fact, right? And the other guy's like, wait, what? I mean, are you, you're just now telling me this? Now, if you, if you ever wonder if God, if following God is worth it, just look at the world's response to their trouble. Listen, what, see, what happens here is that Gideon goes to the enemy, and the enemy has more faith in Gideon's God than Gideon does. 
And it would do us well sometimes when we're facing a trial, we're facing a struggle. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe there's a sense of loss in your life or you're struggling with something. Then sometimes all you have to do is go step outside the tent of those in this life that don't have the Lord to be reminded of the difference God makes in your life. I mean, I remember and you're going through people, through, through people uh, challenges with people when they lose somebody. And I almost always say, can you imagine doing this without the Lord? Can you imagine dealing with this loss without God on your side? And sometimes it would do us well to go and step, step outside the tent of the enemy just to be reminded of, the, tri, of the, the severity of the burdens that they deal with because they don't have God to turn to in their darkest moments. Now following God is worth it and sometimes we need to look at what the world or what those without the Lord are dealing with to be reminded that God will take care of his own. So when Gideon hears the this man's interpretation of the dream, I really believe verse 15 is a turning point. And it was so when Gideon heard that telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshipped and returned into the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. So Gideon finally chooses to believe God. And here's, here's this, the first truth today that I've, I've already mentioned it, but I want to develop it here, is that belief in God's word is the only root system that will keep your tree upright. Gideon had to choose what to believe. He had to say, do I believe the, the Lord's word? Or do I believe that Midian is stronger? Do I believe God's word and that he's capable? Or do I, or do I believe that Midianite is stronger? Uh, do I believe that the Lord can use something small and do something great? Or, or that Midianite is stronger? Do I, believe, do I really believe, if I obey God's word, that he will bless me and protect me? Listen, these are all questions that we have to answer. Do I truly believe in this culture when everybody is doing the things the opposite of how I'm doing them? Do I really believe that if I obey God's word, he's going to still bless me? Do I truly believe that God's ways are better than mine? Do I truly believe that obedience to God's word really is the best way? And listen, this is where your faith begins. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. And listen, your emotions are going to go up and down, and your moods are going to swing left and right, and the culture is going to shift just like that. Your money could be gone tomorrow, your job could be gone next week, but the word of our God shall stand forever. So why root your life on anything else? Why build your life on anything other than God's word? Faith, your faith is rooted in belief. You must choose to take God at his word. God has a plan for victory. He wins in the end. And he's just looking for those who have enough faith to believe it. Your faith is only as strong as the object in which it's trusting and if, you're, if you think that you're going to build your foundation on your own intellect, you will one day come to the end of that. 
If you think that you're going to build your life on your own strength, someday your strength will be gone. If you think that you can build your life on your health, someday your health will be gone. Your job will be gone. If you think I'm going to build my life on my relationship with my spouse, you don't know that you'll have your spouse for tomorrow or next week. Listen, all these other things that we trust in are temporary and fleeting and finite. You have the choice to place your trust and build on a foundation that's fleeting or to place your trust on the word of our God which stands forever. Listen, the word of God is strong. But our faith is weak because we don't allow this book to have consistent influence in our lives. Yeah, we go to church, but it doesn't mean you're listening. We open our Bibles in the mornings, but it doesn't mean we're soaking it in. And for most Christians, um, there are other influences in our lives greater than God's word on a daily basis. And if the foundation of your faith is on anything other than God's word, get ready for a fall. Are you reading it? Are you memorizing it? Are you meditating on it? Are you listening when it's preached? Are you listening when it's taught? By the way, every page of this book, as I said last week, it points to Jesus Christ. God's word says that Jesus Christ. So we're going to talk about what God's word said. You say, well, if I'm going to have a faith that stands, it needs to be rooted in what I believe. Okay, what you believe matters. Doctrine matters, okay? And just just so you understand, um, we're we're not Baptists because of a denomination. We're Baptists because we believe that Baptist is a label that says we believe in the Bible. And so uh, we're we're not Baptists first. We're Bible first. And we just happen to believe that being Baptist lets people know what we are. And and we firmly believe that when people see our name and they hear our name, they ought to on some level know what we believe. That's why we keep the label. Now, understand, we answer to no denominational authority. We are autonomous. Nobody tells us who to support. Nobody tells us what to do. Nobody tells us our purpose statement. Uh, We use the Bible. That's what we use. But this book dictates what we do. And we think that the name Baptist gives a label. It tells people what we believe. And the reason we keep the label is because what we believe matters. It's important to us. I'm not saying we do everything right. But what I do know is that when the Bible is your foundation, you're in a very good place. The Bible also says, though, if you're going to have a relationship with God, it starts with Jesus Christ. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, And the Bible says very clearly that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. And this morning there are two categories of people. There are those who when they die they'll spend eternity in heaven. And there are those that when they die they'll spend eternity in hell. And it all depends on how you've responded to God's word about Jesus Christ. You have been faced with a decision about Jesus Christ and that decision is, will I receive him and ask him to forgive me of my sins, trusting in him alone, not in my baptism, not in my good works, not in my good intentions, not the fact that my grandparents were saved and I I come from a long line of Christians. No, it is me making a personal decision in Jesus Christ because that's what the Bible says. And listen, that's what I'm talking about when I say that your faith is rooted in what you believe. What you believe comes from this book and your relationship with God starts with what you do with Jesus Christ. And today you are faced with a decision. And I want to encourage you that if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ to receive him as your savior, that you don't walk out any of those glass doors this morning without making sure that you're right with Jesus. Make sure that you place your faith in him alone. 
Do you know him as Savior? Have you placed your faith in him? Are you trusting in him alone for eternal life? See, faith that stands is rooted in, in belief. It starts on the inside. You can't see belief, but that's where faith begins. When you take God at his word. So first, and that's probably the longest point, maybe not, depending on how much I run around. No, faith that stands is first rooted in belief. But second, faith that stands grows through surrender. It grows through surrender. I want to keep using the illustration of a tree, a redwood tree. A, you know, I think of it as a sapling or as a, a small seed when that tree first started to grow and the roots went down and the tree came up. What if the tree had said, you know what, I don't really feel like growing like all the other trees. I don't really like the sun, so I'm going to avoid it. Or what if it had said, you know, I know there's nutrients in the soil and I know there's water and, and I can take up the nutrients, but I don't really feel like doing what everybody else is doing because I do my own thing. And I'm going to try to grow on my terms. No, understand that a tree doesn't grow if it doesn't. And I know it's, it doesn't submit willfully to the process. But a healthy tree has willfully submitted to the process of growth. You know what I mean by that? It, has, it is in a position to grow. It, it doesn't resist the elements that require growth. And that's how our faith grows. We, we must grow through surrender. Look at verse 16. And he divided the 300 men into three companies. And he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. So he gives the men empty clay pots and trumpets and lanterns. That's the plan. I, I don't know, that it didn't ring true for you like it did for me in my office. I was going to be, that's the plan. And everyone would go, oh. That's the plan. Thank you. You know, a stand of faith requires surrendering our plans to God's plans, even when it doesn't make sense. See, Gideon has his plans. He blew a trumpet and gathered 32,000. And that doesn't sound like a bad plan, but God blew that plan up. And God said, no, I've got a different plan. See, sometimes our plans seem to make sense. Mathematically, tactically, Gideon's plan was better than 300 trumpets. I mean, can we all agree on paper, 32,000 soldiers is better than 300 trumpets, right? Okay. But if you want faith that stands, you're going to have to be willing to say no to your plans, to say yes to God's plans, even when it doesn't make sense. See, that's faith. That's operating based on something that you can't see. You can see 32,000 soldiers. You can see four to one odds. They're not great odds, but you'll take it. But nobody could see victory without soldiers and swords. Nobody could see 300 trumpet players holding clay pots. And God's plans may not always make sense, but he's not looking for us to crunch the numbers. He's looking for us to be willing to submit to what he says. And what God is looking for is willingness, um, disciples willing to embrace trumpets and pitchers, Instead of soldiers and swords. God can do more through, by the way, God can do more through trumpets and pitchers than we can with soldiers and swords. The Lord has always worked in unexpected ways. That's how he does it. Because then he receives the glory. Again, you know, he wanted a small army so they could see that they had a big God. 
and have a trumpet and pitch your mindset then. And you say, well, whatever God says, even if it doesn't make sense, if that's what he says, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to submit to his plan. However the spirit leads through his word, that's what I'm going to do. You know, that means you're going to say that means that I'm, I'm still going to make church a priority, even though I could be earning more money if I worked. Trumpets and pitchers. That means I'm going to raise my children according to God's word, even if the culture says that's strange. No, it's trumpets and pitchers. That means that, that I'm going to forgive when I am wronged, even though I don't feel like it. That's trumpets and pitchers. I'm going to surrender God's plan for my marriage and watch him bless my relationship because that's what he says, even though the culture says it's backwards and old-fashioned. No, it's trumpets and pitchers. Surrender to God's plan, um, forgiving uh, to your local church and being involved and being faithful. And let watch him. And many in this room would tell you, the more committed they are and the more uh, they give and the more they get involved, God just multiplies and blesses when they do it. And it doesn't make sense on paper, but it's trumpets and pitchers. Surrender is a daily decision. We've got to wake up every day and say, whatever, whatever you want, Lord, I say yes to. Even when it doesn't make sense. I mean, in salvation, I'll use that example again. Salvation, what makes sense to mankind is if I work enough and I do enough good works to outweigh the bad works, God should be happy with that. If I, will, if I can do something in my strength to get myself to heaven, God's probably going to be okay with that. Well, God's plan was that, no, it's not about your works at all. I'm sending Jesus Christ, my son, to die in your place, and that's all I require. A God, a God's plan leads to life. Our plan leads to death. Trumpets and pitchers. That's what you're saying yes to. And it may not make sense, but it removes you from the process so the one that you're surrendering to can win the victory. Standing faith is grown as you surrender. What one thing is God asking you to surrender right now? See, that one thing that you're holding on to that's keeping you from taking a step of faith, what is it? Remember, we're talking about faith that stands. And if you want to remain standing, you're going to have to submit your plans to God and to his desires. But don't worry, because his results are always better. So like a tree, faith is rooted in belief and it's grown in surrender. But third, faith that stands blooms in acts of obedience. It blooms in acts of obedience. See, faith isn't viable till it's visible. And I want you to get that. I mean, I, I don't, they're not just words. It means something. Real faith produces real works. See, Gideon chose to believe God and, and he surrendered to God's plan. But if he had handed out the pitchers and the trumpets and then walked home, then he, all of it would have fallen apart. It was the act of obedience that confirmed Gideon's faith. You know, so he calls these men or he goes back down to the camp and he confidently, he shares the Lord's message with the 300 and, and he equips them to do the job by giving him the tools for the job. And he tells him the plan. He says, do as I do, not as I say. And he says, I'll start. You follow my lead. We're going to surround the camp. We're going to break the pitchers. We're going to blow the trumpets and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. That's the plan. With confidence, he goes and tells them. And, and I just think, man, this is not the same guy. I mean, God has done a work in him. Gideon is more than talk now. He's action. And you know, here's the thing. Lip service is easy, especially when you've been a Christian for a while. I mean, it's not hard. Once you've been around, we know the lingo and we know the jargon and we know how to put on a show. But when it comes to acts of genuine discipleship, 
How real is it for you? You know, we say, hey, yeah, reach people for Christ. But where's the evidence in your life? I mean, we're going to have Easter tracks and hand out Easter tracks over the next couple of weeks. Um, are you going to be involved in that? Uh, we say, hey, anything for God. Um, but when, where's the evidence when we need someone to clean a, a bathroom? And, you know, we say, I love the Lord. But where's the evidence when it's time to wake up early and spend time with him? Uh, we say, I love God. He is first in my life. But where are we? Maybe on a, on a Wednesday night at 7 when you've had a long, hard week at work. You know, Christianity is more than lip service. It's obedience. And in the middle of the night, you know, we know the story. We read it. The Midianites wake up and they're surrounded. And Gideon is in their heads. Look at verse 20. The three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and they held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hand of low with all. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And, and, and you know, they, they wake up and they hear the noise and, and the Midianites know. They've been talking about Gideon already. Look at verse 20, 21. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp and all the hosts ran and cried and fled. And the 300 blew the trumpets and the Lord said, every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the host. Man, what a story. You know, this is the key, though, to faith that stands, is that your faith, faith must be rooted in belief. And your faith must grow through surrender. But your faith is proven in acts of obedience. See, here's what we do, though. See, we start with the acts. And in some ways, we put on this facade and we say, you know, I know what it takes to look like I follow God. I know what it takes to sound like I follow God. I know what verses to put on my Instagram account to make it seem like I really am a good Christian. I'll just do those things. But there's no belief system. There's no roots to support it. And there hasn't been a process of surrender. So your faith is stunted. So listen, so us, we've got too many in, in the Christian world that have outward evidence without inward strength. And that may work for a while. It may work for a time. But here's the problem. Storms never stop coming. The wind is going to blow. And the heat is going to get turned up. And a tree with weak roots and stunted growth, it may look like it's producing fruit, but it will topple at the first sign of trouble. Listen, it is the strength of your faith that determines whether or not you remain standing. And you've got to start with roots in God's word. And you've got to grow through surrender and then produce fruit by obedience. And don't do it backwards. See, I believe that we've got churches full of Christians who do the acts of obedience but don't have the roots of belief or the strength of surrender. And, and it caused me this week to think about uh, this illustration. And, you know, Easter is on my mind. Maybe it's on your mind as well. But I have, I have two chocolate bunnies. And, and probably you know the difference between the two. That one's not going to stand up. That, that messes up my illustration. Um, this one is hollow, okay, and that's always disappointing, right? You get a chocolate bunny and you think, man, it's just solid chocolate. Well, see, a hollow bunny, I mean, it looks good on the outside. He has a carrot and everything, and 
you know, it's a cute little bunny. But we all know that on the inside, there's not really much supporting this. It's just, it's outward. And, and we all know that if, if I really wanted to, I'm not going to. Yes, I am. If I really wanted to, I could just break his ears off just like that. No, all it took was a very small, I mean, it's a waste of chocolate, isn't it? But all it took was a very small amount of pressure for me to take that bunny and break it. And the reason it didn't take much pressure is because the bunny's hollow. There's nothing on the inside supporting it. But I believe that this is an illustration of so many Christians in so many churches and so many of us very often is that we have the outside and everything looks good and it looks shiny and we look strong. But when the pressure is applied, snap. Because there's no root system that's founded on belief in God's word. And there's no daily process of surrender that transforms and strengthens us. And when it comes down to it, the pressure is applied and we just break into pieces. As opposed to, and should I, should I ruin? I think you could get the illustration. If I, I'm not going to take it out. This is my wife's Easter gift. Okay. I just decided. So just suppose I had this thing out. It would not be the same level of pressure for me to break this as it was for me to break the hollow bunny. It would take a lot more. Pre- now, I mean, I, clearly I could do it easily. But, <laughs> but the pressure, yeah, exactly. That's why I'm leaving it in the box, Gabe says. No, but the pressure it takes to break this one is a, is a different level than the pressure it takes to break the hollow bunny. And the truth that I'm trying to get to today is we're very good at the acts of obedience, but we often put the acts of obedience first without establishing roots of faith in God's word and without going through the process of daily surrender. And what I'm saying is we have it all backwards and the difference is that faith, faith is, includes parts that you can't see. And we often think that faith is the facade. That faith is the show. That faith starts on the outside, but no, faith starts on the inside as we root ourselves and we grow up through surrender. And some of you, listen, some of you have Midianite-sized problems in your life right now. And if your faith doesn't include an inward belief that's rooted on the foundation of God's word and the process of growth through surrender, then you've better get ready for a fall. Too many of us are hollow bunnies. And as long as the pressure is light, we're okay. As long as the heat doesn't get turned up, we're fine. But as soon as it gets heavy and as soon as it gets hot, we're exposed. And that's why you must go back to the roots. Start with what you believe, that internal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that steady intake of God's word. And if it's not internal, it's not real, it's just outward. Then as you submit yourself to God's word and your process of surrender on a daily basis takes place. Romans 12.2 says we present our bodies a living sacrifice. And then 12.2 says that we, uh, that we will be transformed by the renewing of our minds. 
So what that's saying is that surrender grows you. It transforms you. It, turn, it takes you from a hollow bunny to a bunny that's got strength and a bunny that's got stability. And then finally, we prove our faith with genuine acts of obedience. See, it, it, obedience comes as a result of what we've done with Christ. What's your Midian today? You have a problem that's too big for you to handle? Rather than be in despair, go to God's word. Start there. And then build a relationship with Jesus Christ, an inward, genuine relationship. Then on a daily basis, submit yourself uh, uh, to God's plans and trust that he can handle it. And what you'll find is that the acts of obedience in your life are a result of your faith. That you're not, you're not pretending, you're responding to a genuine relationship. And, and it's almost like a tree that is healthy and growing. And listen, a tree that's healthy and growing just produces fruit naturally. You didn't have to say, oh, I really need to take a class on producing fruit. No, you just need to keep your roots there and you need to keep growing and keep submitting to the process and the acts of faith are going to come because that tree is healthy. This is the process it takes for standing faith. No matter how big your trial is, let me remind you this, that Gideon's name is in Hebrews 11. And Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith. And Gideon started as a hollow bunny. He was hiding from the enemy. He was completely insecure. He was unsure of himself. But his choice to root his life on God's word and surrender to God's plans and then act in obedience no matter the obstacles allowed him to live a life that God rewarded and God blessed, God used. And the same can be true of you today. You might be a hollow bunny, but through belief in Jesus Christ, through God's word and daily surrender to God's will and obedience to God's desires, the Lord can turn you into a solid bunny with strength to withstand the pressure and come through it even stronger. So I know it's silly, but which bunny represents your life? Never thought I'd use those words. But... Are you, all, are you all outward? Is it all a show? Is it an empty shell? And at the first sign of pressure, you crumble? Or is there something genuine and real and inward that gives you some strength and stability to stand? Listen, let me just say this. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can right now. But if you've never received him as your Savior, you'll always only ever be a hollow bunny. But it's when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, Christian, and you don't make it about the outside, you make it about a daily relationship of growth and surrender, then someday the acts of obedience that feel really hard for you right now are just going to happen because it's a result of God working in you as a healthy tree. And I think we all say, I want faith that stands. But are we willing to go through the process to let it happen in our lives? Which, which one represents you? Which one do you want to represent you? I'm telling you, I want this one here. Because this one, in the end, will stand a lot longer than this one. And if that's you too, then maybe we need to submit ourselves to the process so that we can have faith that stands. Let's stand, everyone together. And we'll have every head bowed, every eye closed.
Do you have faith that stands? Or is your faith hollow? Have you gotten to the point where it's just all a facade? Or is it firm? Rooted in God's word and growing in daily surrender? Because I think there's probably two categories of people in this regard as well. There are some that are hollow and some that are firm. Some that are solid. And I can tell you which one I want to be, but too often I can tell you which one I am. If I just go through the motions and let the outward stuff happen, then it's just empty. Listen, I don't want to be that way. I know you don't either. Maybe we need to ask that, confess that this morning, that, that God would help us to be genuine in our relationship with him. But also, too, if you come here this morning and you don't know that if you died today, you'd spend eternity in heaven, would you respond to the invitation this morning? We'll have people here that will talk to you and pray with you and not make a spectacle of it, but just show you from God's word how you can spend eternity in heaven. There's no reason for you to leave this morning without taking care of that. I just want to ask you to have the courage to come here, and we've got some folks up here that would be happy to pray with you. Christian, have you just been putting on a show? Is your, is your Christian life the result of faith, or is your Christian life a replacement for faith? Are you just going through the motions? Let's ask God to help us to be responsive to his word this morning. Father, I thank you for your word, and I pray that you'd help us to be submissive to it. Lord, help us not to be shallow. Help us not to be empty. Help us to be solid uh, because we have roots founded in your word, and we have surrendered ourselves to grow. And then the acts of obedience just come. God, I'm afraid that too many of us have lived the Christian life so long we just know the routine God, I don't want to go through the routine. I want a relationship to produce what I know you would want for me. And God, then for those that are not saved this morning, I pray that you would help them to have the courage and maybe find a friend close to them to be willing to come out with them and, and, and just find somebody to pray with this morning and get that settled. If anyone here is, no, is not sure, I pray that this morning would be the time that they finally get that settled. God, we pray that you'd have your will and your way in our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.